This Positive Feedback Loop podcast is brought to you by Dinner Smash, the only door-to-door-to-door meal delivery service. Positive Feedback Loop. Welcome to Positive Feedback Loop. We are looking forward to today's topic. We are introducing a new approach, by the way, for our recordings now. In each episode, we'll be approaching topics by how they've developed through time, the past, present, and future, although we won't necessarily be always going in that order. So today we'll be talking about influencers, and I'm Stephanie, and I'd like to introduce my co-hosts, Ray. Welcome back, everybody. And Luis. Hello. How's it going? You know, when people think of influencers, uh, they tend to think of people with lots of followers, but the amount of followers isn't really a metric of an influencer. It's influence, the amount of influence they have. And so we thought we would talk about influencers today because we're all interested in that topic. Uh, And some people, you know, some people have millions of followers, but no one would actually take their advice. So it's really about your ability to persuade people to take action, to buy a product, to believe a belief. Uh, so wh- what are influencers and how do they impact consumers? Good question. I mean, there's so many ways to look at it, right? Uh, and like you said, it's uh, right now I think it's a big um, kind of like a numbers game, like you know, followers on what platform. And the platforms matter too. You have platforms like Facebook. It's a big one. Instagram. Uh, Snapchat is doing a lot of marketing now with influencers. LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, many others as well. Uh, Medium is becoming another source for influencer content. And it's kind of interesting. I think that, you know, it's developed so quickly in the last, I would say, even like 10 to 15 years. There wasn't really a big focus on influencers, at least in the digital form, uh, prior to, you know, the Internet age. I believe I saw somewhere that said that in 2017, they saw an increase of about 350% in the number of searches for social media influencers or influence um, branding or marketing, one of those things. Basically, there has been a huge explosion in awareness of this topic and in interest in it from the point of view of businesses, because it's a great way to move your products if you are, or at least a It's believed to be a great way to move your products since you can latch onto someone's huge network, get, you know, let's say you find an influencer who's got a hundred thousand people following them and it's a product that's, and they have a specific style that works well with your company. You pay them a not that huge amount of money and all of a sudden your product is now visible to a whole bunch of people. What I think is interesting is it could, it really could be a huge amount of money you know, uh, Sydney Pierucci said that uh, influencer marketing is a billion-dollar industry now, and you know I'm really interested in how much influencers get paid because I mean that's kind of the point of being an inf- many people at least it's their point for being an influencer. They actually make it their full-time job. Even some of them, uh, I reached out to one influencer who you know asking you know what they charge, and they said, well. Uh, I'll take $4,000 for an Instagram post or $5,000 if it's a blog post and then I promote it on Instagram. And uh, I think at the time she had around 300,000 Instagram followers. So, and Sydney says, Sydney Pierucci says that if you have over a million followers, you could get paid up to 50,000 US dollars per post. So that's a lot of money. 
I mean, that's how much money some people make in an, in a year, and we're talking per post. So. Steph, Steph, um, I have a question for you, and just a question yeah. for the for you to give the audience some context. Yeah, we're throwing out a lot of money uh, of these big figures for people to promote things. These people are not advertisers; they are just people who decided to make a blog or something. So what do they do every day? What's like their job look like? What does being an influencer mean? Some people think that you just become an influencer as your job, that you say, I want to be an influencer, and you get on and you just get a bunch of followers. And it's not actually the case. The people who are the best at becoming an influencer is somebody who is doing something really well and getting paid for it in a full-time, normal, nine-to-five job usually, or they were doing it for free because they loved it. They were started a cooking blog because they just they would come home from work and do the cooking blog. And so it was either this kind of free pro bono volunteer sort of thing, this passion project, or it was their real job. And they became, over time, influential at, and people started really wanting to follow what they're doing. And then it became, that's how they became an influencer. When people talk about influencers, they tend to think of the macro influencers, the ones that have multi-million followings. Uh, you know, that I'm thinking of, for example, like the Daily Dose that Forbes says, you know, is a good influencer to follow on Instagram, which is a motivational account which went with 1.3 million followers. But there's something beyond just the macro followers. Uh, the, I mean, the macro influencers, and that's micro influencers are becoming much more popular because they're more cost effective. Uh, I think that they're actually, I, I looked into this and they are, micro influencers are those that have, you know, maybe 100,000 or less followers. They're not huge. They're not Kim Kardashian or, or Donald Trump, you know. And these are people who actually have 60% higher engagement, according to, I'm going to the same article by Sidney Pierucci. Um, but they're also underpriced. So they will be as much as seven times more cost efficient than paying a large influencer. And, you know, why are these micro-influencers so influential, <laughs> but also cost-effective? Uh, they have a tighter niche. They're, they have more focused content. So, for example, you could have a really popular knitter, all right? And the only brands they would actually promote are like knitting, sewing, yarn-related. Uh, so one example is Knitting Monk, uh, real name Aiden Owen. And he has almost 6,000 Instagram followers. Uh, which you would say, well, that's not very much. But he gets anywhere from 400 to 1,500 likes per post. So he has this super loyal following. And that's as much as, if you go up to 1,500, that's 25% engagement rate. Uh, if, you, if you just you know, roughly say, okay, likes over followers, that's a huge engagement rate. I mean, that's, that's high in case you're not like into influencer marketing. So you'll actually get your money's worth if you want him to show off your yarn, right? But you... If you went and go, if you paid Kim Kardashian to show off your yarn, she actually wouldn't be considered an influencer in that case because she's no knitting community is going to say, well, Kim Kardashian was using this yarn, so I'm going to use this yarn. No, they're going to say, Kim knows nothing about yarn. She would not be able to tell the difference between a crappy yarn and a good yarn if you put them right in front of her. So I'm not going to be influenced by her decision. So choosing a micro-influencer in that case is going to be better for your brand than choosing someone who has, you know, a hundred or a thousand times the following. 
So uh, if I get what you're saying, and uh, not everyone is a social media marketing whiz. Uh, and so for pitfalls out there, or may not be, it's it, it seems to be that brands that have that want to get the most value out of their influencers are those that uh, find people with very dedicated followers, not just a lot of them. It's yeah. the value of the follower versus, because I know I remember reading a long time ago that the people who are going to be moving, let's say your show, your entertainment business, whatever it is, are those really dedicated people that are going to tell everyone. Most people are not those. Most people will tell one or two people or they won't say anything and that's it. It's the ones that are going to go out there and proselytize for you that you really want. So if you have a whole base of people like this and that's your who you're talking to directly, then getting even a percentage of them to actually sign up for your product or service or whatever is a lot of value, especially since these influencers appear to be cheaper or rather less expensive to pay to uh, engage. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too is at the moment uh, we might be seeing, you know, brands looking for influencers who have like potentially a lot of following or, um, you know, like you said, Stephanie, right now they're trying to find influencers with a lot of, followers who are really engaged with the influencer, but there aren't really a lot of good tools to measure engagement. And I think towards the future, as we're heading into better technologies to measure, uh, it's not just going to be how many followers do you have or how many posts have you submitted in the last 30 days or a year or, you know, last few months or anything like that. It's going to be, you know, what are the demographics of your followers? Uh, what does their posting patterns look like? And, you know, be able to actually judge the relationship between the influencer and um, the follower so those, then you could really... Yeah, those tools actually do exist. Um, yes. And that's how they calculate the value of an influencer. So, for example, uh, you could use something like influencerfee.com and you can search the earnings per post of what they think an influencer would be paid. So you go, you go on there um, and there are other tools as well. If you just search like, you know, uh, estimate influencer fee or something. There's a bunch of but what is it based free on? tools. And what, what they do what is they look at, now it's, it's rudimentary, okay? So it's, it's really not a great calculator, but it gives you a sense. It tells you how many followers they have, but they also, it also tells you over the last X amount of posts what their average engagement rate was. So the average amount of likes, the average amount of comments, um, it looks at, it can look at the average amount of um, anything that's, that's pu publicly stated over the API of that social media platform. So for example, I plugged in the influencer that had quoted me the $4,000 to $5,000 a post and I put her username in and it came out as she should be earning at least $800 for, per post. Now she has a lot more loyal following and, and a more niche. She knows and brands know that she can, she can charge more because of her niche. Uh, because it's not just based on just engagement followers. There's much more to being an influencer. But that calculator at least is basic enough to tell you. I mean, here's the dark side. Here's the dark side of influencer marketing, right? Like we think of people use influencers because it's, it's more authentic than putting an ad up on TV that says, we have the best hot chocolate, you know. And so What's if you, the brand of the hot chocolate? We can have the hot chocolate right Steven's now. Stephen's hot chocolate, hot obviously, chocolate. by the way. <laughs> Go buy Stephen's hot chocolate. Anybody in double, Utah double would know that Stephen's hot chocolate is the best. But the reason I bring this up is, you know, it used to be that that in people were starting to trust 
trusted that typical broadcast advertising less and less, right? And now they're, they're trusting influencers more because here's a real person who's really using the product and what they have to say about it. But the problem is that now we are paying more and more and more influencers to the point that people are asking when an influencer posts about a product, they ask themselves, well, is it just because they're getting paid to promote this? Do they actually use this product, right? And then you have the FTC, which is cracking down on disclosure and advertising and fining influencers for not disclosing their paid relationships. And so you have to then write hashtag ad, ad, hashtag sponsored. Uh, This is a sponsored post. I'm getting paid to do this or I got the product for free. Uh, to do this review. And so then you have, you're, it's almost like you're turning your influencer post into an ad again. And customers are wondering, well, if there's a paid relationship, can I trust this person? So that's oh, kind of the da- a, downfall of influencer marketing. That's a fantastic point. And is the value of influencers really the people be, that are influencing and their audiences? Or is it the fact you can't skip those ads? Not as easily. They add a barrier to skipping. Because... Nowadays, you can have an ad block system and you skip all your ads or you pay for like a certain amount of money a month and you, you skip all your ads and you're good, right? Uh, your system, your YouTube, your uh, Amazon, whatever system you're advertising on gets skipped on Amazon because they don't really, they advertise only themselves. But yeah, on YouTube, you can't really advertise to people who are not watching ads. Yeah. But if you're if in the middle of content, this ad comes up and it says buy this product now people have to actually go to their computers and click forward and an unknown amount of time possibly skip useful content and to go back to it to skip the ad and that's i think where a lot of that engagement kind of comes in because it's built in not only do you get the person's audience behind you because that you have their personal brand loyalty or like their own personal brand but you also get this little add-on that it's a much harder ad to skip, even if you can't quite measure the impact as directly as someone clicking on an ad. So I think Stephanie might be able to answer this better, but I want to give my two cents here. I think that I'm sure there are marketers who understand what you're talking about, Luis, and the ability for you know listeners and you know their inability for listeners to skip the ads. They're you know taking advantage of that, so marketers realize that, so they you know pay some money to influencers in order to, you know, take advantage of it. And um, I guess it makes sense. It sounds like the FTC is closing the loop on that a little bit. Uh, I wonder, so if does that mean if you're an influencer and you don't take, let's say you're an influencer, but you don't take any sponsored money at all, does that mean you could say anything about any product you want? Yeah, and it's not an ad, right? You didn't get and paid it's not for an ad. it. And I think that's my, like, my takeaway, you can be an influencer and get paid, which a lot of people seek to do because they want, they want you know, large corporations to pay them money to kind of create ads for them, basically. But there's another type of influencer, and it's the influencer who is a thought leader who capitalizes and gets the value of the influence they have for themselves rather than getting it from a third party. So, for example, I'm thinking of even social media influencers who are influential in social media marketing, like Jeff Bullis or Michael Stelzner, who are influencers and people don't pay them to talk about things. They talk about the things and are influential. And because they're influential, they can sell more of their books and their products. And so they don't need, they, they are 100% authentic and they still make money doing it. And it doesn't, it's not an advertising because it is their original content about themselves. 
You know, I think about my own self as an influencer in certain spaces. Like when I talk about nonprofit and higher ed marketing, people trust me. Why? Because I worked at MIT for several years. I built up this enormous engaged following for the university on social media without spending a dime on social media advertising. So like I didn't boost a single post. Uh, I didn't use influencer marketing either. And so when they hear that I built this huge following and this engagement and everything without buying followers, without paying for ads, I I have a lot of influence with, with the advice that I give people because they know they can trust me. They think, how does she do it? So I've worked with tons of nonprofits and I know what their issues are. And so they know that they can come to me. They know they can listen to me. And that's the point of an influencer that's in the thought leader space is you don't, if you strive to be a thought leader, you can, you don't necessarily need to be paid by third parties, but you can find ways to build value yourself. So all of this. What are those ways? Just, I'm curious. After you complete your, your statement there, I just want to know what are the ways influencers can, you know, make money without getting sponsorship? I'm sure there are, but I'd like to know what you Well, I mean, they write books. Uh, they start podcasts. <laughs> get uh, that merch! Well, podcasts <laughs> inherently content. by themselves don't, don't get paid. How do you get paid they with They do, podcast, because right? then with podcasts, you can sell commercials where you're well, paying somebody the, else. and You, you also are, have merchandising. Yeah. Well, I thought huge. that wouldn't the commercials be part of the, you know, you're taking advertising money yes, from Yes, but it's separate from the content you offer. So your customers aren't saying, oh, the stuff, you know, he or she is talking about in their podcast, I don't know if I can trust it. Instead, so they say this is clearly a commercial. Express so express sponsorship that's separate from the content versus influencer marketing where the content is the sponsorship, right? Yeah, so there are people who have built empires on their, their, their influence, being an honest influencer where they're not uh, paid by someone to say something. So the question is, and I think I want to go to Luis for this because he is the history buff of the group. What is the context for influencer marketing? How do we even get to where we are today with influencers? So I've been thinking about this a little bit uh, on the run up to the episode. I was thinking, what's an influencer but a personal brand that's leveraged? right? You're taking the brand that you've built for yourself and you're using that for something else. Now, brands have been around for a long time. Uh, The ancient Romans had brands. They would brand their products uh, and you could see crates of pottery from glassware and arms and armor that have been branded with their maker. But the kind of influence branding idea uh, for marketing is a little bit more recent, at least from what I could find. I haven't really seen any examples between b- before the 1700s. I think the first one that always gets brought up is uh, Josiah Wedgwood, and I have no idea if I'm saying that right, who would uh, get royal endorsements for his Chinaware brand. Uh, so he would go to different kings and queens across the, the across Europe and ask them to put their seal uh, as uh, figuratively on his product. Uh, to kind of like give them a little extra mystique. Uh, it wasn't until much more recently, for example, with Fatty Arbuckle, that we began to see advertising in the in more like the celebrity sense, uh, kind of in the edge of, uh, he would, sorry, in terms of uh, advertising it in stage, in the middle of entertainment, that was, that's a lot more new. That said, I think my favorite little thing I found while looking into the history of endorsements and celebrity endorsements is in 1863, 
there was a brand of coca wine called Vin Mariani. If you're not familiar with coca wine, and most of you probably aren't, it's literally wine with cocaine in it. Now, that sounds pretty dope. Pun intended. But they, they were looking for, for endorsements because they thought this product was the best thing in town. And they wanted to get make sure that everyone knew it. So what they did is they went out, they asked people for endorsements. They got thousands of doctors endorsing their product, this delightful cocoa wine. And they even got the biggest endorsement you can get, essentially God himself. They got Pope Leo XIII mm-hmm. to expound on the wonderful qualities of this drink personally, even giving a gold medal to the creator because of the wonderful qualities this drink had brought into his life. Other famous drinkers include uh, Thomas Edison, Ulysses S. Grant, uh, and another pope, uh, Pope St. Pius X. Apparently, the Roman Catholic Church, big fans of coca wine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This drink has also been credited with being the unofficial inspiration for Coca-Cola. So... Uh, it inspired the guy who added coca and cola to coca wine, who then served as the inspiration for Coca-Cola. Mm. And although it went away, sadly, I know the entire audience is sad, since they, we all want to have a taste of this delightful coca wine, it did go away a long time ago. But it's back It was relaunched in 2014, and the owner of the company has been had met has met with President Evo Morales to try to get coca wine in Bolivia. So next time you're in Bolivia, check it out. Maybe you'll see some coca wine around out there. Wow, that's really interesting. (laughs) I know they have like in Peru they have like uh, coca tea, but I didn't know about this interesting wine drink. Well. You know, it makes me think about like how Gatorade and drinks like that are influenced by athletes and, you know, getting, you know, a famous soccer player in front of the camera with Gatorade in front of them. That's that's a big influencer move. Well, that's exactly what it is, right? I mean, is it is celebrity endorsements are just another form of an influencer doing their thing. Obviously, the way that they take form in the celebrity and in, in the influencer era is a lot more, quote unquote, personal since you are a lot closer to these influencers a lot of the time. You you see them a lot more often. You don't just like wait half a year to see one movie where they're in and then like read their life about read about their lives in the tabloids. No, they're talking to you every day directly about what they're up to. They're putting up vlogs. They're putting up yeah. Facebook posts. They're constantly keeping you updated on who they are and what their personal brand is. And if a company wants to come along and try to capitalize on that. It's, right. it's there for them. The eight, 90s, like the ephedrine uh, drugs and losing weight and all those people advertised. Anthony, that was interesting, especially because, you know, the risks they were taking, people were taking, wasn't really um, discussed. I guess they didn't know about it as much, but who knows how much they do. Well, it's actually um, proven in some research that if an influencer... Uh, if if there's risk involved in the product and having an influencer do influencer marketing for that product will help push the product because you need you need that there because there's it's a risky product. Uh, I have a follow-up question for you, Luis. As you looked through the history of influencer marketing, you know that it really is pre-social media as well. Have you found any differences between the way influencers were leveraged with traditional marketing versus 
digital social marketing today? Well, I mean, the biggest thing I would say I've found is just the, that specific difference between that distance between the audience and the person that it's, that's doing the advertisement. On top of that, back in the day when you were trying to get an influence to ad, to advertise your product, all you were really doing is getting a testimonial, right? The influencer was going up there and saying, like, I approve of this thing. And either it would be written down or someone would say it in the play, like with uh, Fatty Arbuckle. Eventually, it would be on TV, and then that person would be like, this is a good thing, and they'd pay them money, and it would be all within the context of, the, of an ad. I think the place that's the closest to the influencers nowadays is probably like on t- old TV shows where the ad would just be part of the show, and there would be very little delineation between the ad part and the show part. But that got cracked down on pretty quick. As you mentioned, it's, it creates a lot of problems, and now the influencer marketing uh, systems are going through a similar transformation. Quick side note: Who is Fatty Arbuckle? Uh, he was a vaudevillian performer. He was he would like do vaudeville acts back in the day, Va- in um, like the 1900s, early, very early 1900s. I think vaudeville? Ray now needs a help knowing what vaudeville is. <laughs> yeah, it's a type of uh, several like act. So uh, not play. It's not. It's more like a variety show. Think of a looks variety like, show done on like, a stage. Online looks like Roscoe Arbuckle, silent American silent film actor, comedian, director, and screenwriter. Okay, gotcha. It's like the precursor to TV. <laughs> although, um, although yes, it kind of bled into TV. Started getting on mm-hmm. on camera. That's the thing. Yeah. That's one mm-hmm. of the places they kind of went. It's really interesting to just see these you know, the past uh, and the context of influencer marketing and how that has transformed into what we know as influencer marketing today. It'll be really interesting for us to discuss uh, where influencer marketing is going. What would the future look like or what are some trends that we see and how can we extrapolate those out? So I am looking forward to picking the brain of Ray here who uh, is our resident futurist <laughs> after the commercial. So enjoy. Oh boy, I'm really excited for tonight at 7 p.m. Going to meet up with my honey. She's going to come over. We're going to have dinner. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait, wait to see wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. Ray. Yeah. Did you forget? We have a meeting at 7. No, today's. What, what day is today? Isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's podcast meeting day. Oh. Oh, you're right. Shh. What? Well, okay. uh, can you can we, get out early. How are we gonna do this? Yeah, what, you don't, what you're not gonna have enough time to cook to cook dinner. You're not gonna uh, have nearly enough time. But I already promised that we were gonna have dinner, and I was gonna cook. It's already been planned out. Like she's expecting it. What am I gonna do? All right. Here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna what use dinner do? smash. What? What's dinner smash? Dinner smash is the only door-to-door-to-door meal delivery service out there. They're gonna set you right up. They're gonna come right into your home. Gonna set up your your nice romantic dinner. You could, there's an option for that, with candlelight included, and they're gonna leave your home better than they than they found it. How's the food? Do they know how to? Do they know what they're doing? Oh, all you can get any choice of food from over 200 different menus. Wait, so do I just leave the key? How do they get in the house? I don't, wait, what did you say? Well, obviously you wouldn't trust someone who get into your house with yeah, a what if key, they just, dummy. Like, yeah. So what they do is they break into your house by breaking your door down and replacing it with a new one when they leave. Oh, they replace it. That's that's awesome. Yeah, let's do it. That's a great. Thank yeah. you, Luis. That's awesome. Go to their website and use secret code 
PFL to have access to 50% off your next order, including a premium door. And welcome back to Positive Feedback Loop. We've been talking about influencer marketing, the past, the present, and now let's get into the future. And we talked a little bit about the dark side of influencer marketing and, and where it might be headed. And Ray, really help us understand where the trends are going or, or some sure. ethical problems or any futuristic elements to this. Right. Yeah, well, just, Ray, do something. Do, do something, something, Ray. I'll do something here. <laughs> so if you think about it, in the future, it's possible that the most influential influencers won't actually be people at all. Actually, it'll be AI, artificial influencers. So this has started to come onto the scene uh, pretty recently where you have artificial intelligence actually posting their own posts, posting their own images, creating articles, creating uh, content online, and growing their followership much more quickly than a traditional person would. One, because they have plenty of time to do so and it doesn't really require a lot of um, you know, human effort. It's just kind of once it's been programmed, it can ma use machine learning and detect how other influencers have gained popularity in the past. So it utilizes those uh, data points in order to build itself up. Um, basically, you know, we've all seen there are artificial intelligence systems that are actually creating their own music. They're creating their own images and photos. So it's going to be an interesting world stepping into the future where you're not going to know the difference. You're not going to know whether or not your, uh, you know, one of your favorite posters online are human or fake. Isn't this just another version of spam, though? If we're talking about a world where, uh, and for listeners who may be interested in learning more about spam, please go see one of our, go listen to our spam episode. But isn't this just another form of uh, content generated specifically to get people to fall, get get people to mistake mm -hmm. who the poster is, so you can basically scam them out of money in this sense, right? Well, you are I getting them in with a false people promise. Know. People know that they're AI. I don't think that they're fooling people. But why would you trust an AI? They don't use the products. Because it's so fascinating. Not only do they not trust, not only do they not use the products, but let's say you are, um, you know, you're trying on new deodorant or something. There is no like factual way uh, AI can test out a deodorant on their skin. They don't have the sensing ability or the biological uh, capability of actually knowing whether it worked for them or not. And another thing with influencers that's become important is, you know, people follow them because they feel that they relate to them. So it's really hard to relate to an AI that doesn't have the human uh, connection that a human would, right? So, for example, let's say one of your influencers, let's say you follow a skincare influencer, right? And you notice that they talk about their skin being really dry and you have really dry skin too. So you want to know what products are good for your skin because it's also really dry and this guy or woman uh, also tests these products. So it, it's hard to do that with an AI because they'll be just, you know, kind of speculating or extrapolating data from previous so, posts. I'm curious, Ray, where does the value come in for the AI influencer? So because actually, I see very little reason to follow one if they're not a human because they wouldn't so, know what human products to use. So what's happening as well is there are these like hybrid accounts where it's a human that starts, you know, doing posts and things like that, things like that. But then the humans use AI to assist them 
with new posts or research and uh, you know it, it'll help them to suggest potentially what to say um, so AI can help the influencer by suggesting what kind of images to post at this time or to which group of audiences so there are ways that AI can help uh, the human be a better influencer but you know the way I see it, it's also possible that the AI themselves just for whatever reason will try to take control over their own accounts I, I don't know I like to speculate a little bit about how the future of AI could look but what will happen though I think eventually is us humans you know we're pretty smart so we're going to be like alright this is just you know bull I'm not going to listen to uh, AI consumers will really start dem demanding uh, authenticity from their influencers so we're going to actually not care how the quality is of our influencers as long as we feel like they're real. So that might also play out in a certain sense in the future, but who knows? Well, there's one artificial intelligent uh, influencer that has grown in, in popularity this year, and it's Lil Michaela, uh, yeah. who was kind of outed by another CGI well, you're gonna, avatar. You're going to have to tell me a little bit more about Lil Michaela. So Lil Michaela is basically this like... 3D avatar CGI type person, you can clearly tell in the photos that it's not a real human being, but they, uh, you know, whoever is creating these images is taking, you know, like a, a Prada jacket and putting that Prada jacket on the, the, like a fake face or on something. On a fake or a body, body, yeah, with a fake mm -hmm. face. Um, but it's it's super photorealistic. So, I mean, it's not like a cartoon. It's very realistic. But, you know, her skin is perfect. She's got really great body according to, you know, whatever, North American ideals for beauty or whatever. And so there's value in it because it's almost like here they are creating this somehow this this, this ideal human in a sense and what they look like in Prada and so you imagine yourself you know mm -hmm. looking like that it's almost like seeing how why people in department stores in pre CGI days putting uh, clothes on mannequins so that you can see what it would look like right. on a person and, and how cool they would look if they wore it with these sneakers and that t-shirt and you know and and think about the cost. I mean, the cost to, especially as you move, uh, to, as the technology becomes better and more cost effective, it's going to be really attractive to marketers and advertisers to use those forms of influencers because it's just going to cost a lot less. You were saying, like, you know, it's possible that a uh, one post can cost a marketer fifty thousand dollars. I mean, that's right. that's an expensive thing. You can probably get a subscription to a CGI account for fifty thousand dollars for a year, and that'll be a lot better for um, those marketers. So, you know, it's going to be a back and forth between what is being demanded by the market and what we trust. <laughs> Definitely. So do you think that there's a future for human influencers? What will influencer marketing look like for them? You know, not non-CGI... <laughs> Are, wait, are you arguing that all influencers will be AI? No, I'm not but arguing you know, that. one market can drive out another. In in essence, you know, if 
Yeah, there are so, there are some products, I guess, or some like services. Maybe not for all products, but some services it'll be like it'll make a lot of sense for AI to just almost. I can't really think of any right now, actually. Well, I guess hmm. clothing. Uh, when you just you want to see what you know certain outfits would look like, and 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 fashion. I mean, think of fashion influencers. They put together certain outfits and then they wear them themselves, so you can kind of see what what these different elements would look like with each other. It doesn't really matter who's necessarily wearing it the the they're influential because of the pairing they've made so imagine if uh this avatar were wearing that pairing so you could see it and that you, so you could get the fashion ideas you want versus the deodorant example like you said somebody who is a mom who's gone all organic and she's trying to really show the impact of, of how it's affecting her health and her family's health you're going to want to see a human being and how their skin is clearing up over time or whatever it is so I do see, like you said, certain industries, it'll work. Others, you still need those human experiences. I would say it might even go beyond that. So um, I was remembering when you guys were talking about Michaela that this isn't super far from Hatsune Miku, which is a, uh, originally originating in a product called Vocaloid. It started out as a mascot for a brand of voice synthesizing programs right. where you could like have you could like use a computer to like create like a fake singer and so that voice was made into a anime like character who's got who it has been used to advertise everything from like supermarkets to uh obviously the product she comes from to video games to movies whatever she's a huge product at this point and all it is is just a computer with obviously a company behind it putting resources into creating the persona of the computer. But while it's not AI itself, like it's not writing its own code, it is still a lot more advanced. And it's not a person, really, at the end of the day. It's a brand that has the ability to sing and put on performances and sell other brands. So that's one interesting way, I guess, that AI could step into the influencer space. I guess it's more possible than I was giving it credit. You no, know, it reminds me of a Black Mirror episode, actually. I don't know if you guys watched that show, but there was one, I think it was uh, it's called Waldo or something, and it was like a big blue, it was a little blue bear that was on a TV screen, and a person can control him from the background and basically say anything he wants. So it basically it gets animated based on whatever the person is saying. And what ended up happening is this little blue uh, character became so popular that it actually, I think they ran for election for president or something like that. So this, the entire country was so excited about this fictional character. What was interesting, I think, is there could be a day when that character wouldn't be controlled by a person in the back and actually just be their own entity and have their own ideas and... I feel like it's possible that, you know, general consumers or our population or whatever might feel that they are more trustworthy than the politicians that we actually have. So they can be more influential than actual people. So um, who knows how it's going to play out in the future, but it's really cool to think about. I would say I'd, starting this conversation, I would have probably disagreed with you, Ray, but I, I can see definitely how... Some segments of the some people could be very swayed by a fake persona 
even if knowing that it's not real, because people can attach themselves to a lot of things now. Not nowadays, but I'm not saying that in the old grandpa yelling at the kids way, but more in the it's a clear impact of social media and the way that the internet has tra- transformed and allowed niches to develop that we can feel much more attached to people and things that aren't really friends with us. We don't know and we don't really understand, but we want to feel close to. So I, I can I can see this being a form of future. Yeah, and also the character can adopt or like actually adapt to the audience in real time. So they can be talking to the multiple audiences at the same time and cater to their values and desires. So it's kind of dangerous, actually, uh, if you think about it. Especially for um, kids. And the character in Waldo in the Black Mirror episode, he was a really crude, foul language speaking kind of uh, character. So And people loved him, right? So, yeah. You know, as we wrap up this episode, I think the question that comes to mind is, is not necessarily even what the future of influencers, what the future looks like for influencers, but what is the future of influence itself? What is influence and how has influence and its power uh, changed? Uh, and what does that mean for us and our decisions? So this has been a super interesting episode. I'm really glad that we did kind of go through what is influencer marketing? What is an influencer, um, you know, the context and then the future of it? Because it really brings kind of the whole picture in of of what we're dealing with. So uh, thank you again to our listeners, our piffles who listen in each week uh, and really encourage us to do our best and dig into these topics uh, from lots of different points of view. Uh, Definitely follow us on Twitter as we continue to share our thoughts at The PFL Podcast and our Facebook page, as always, and pflpodcast.com on the website. And really cool news, in case you missed it, we're on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. So look for Positive Feedback Loop Podcast on YouTube and give us feedback on the structure there because we've just started putting up our episodes on YouTube. So hearing your feedback about it would be great. We'd love feedback on this episode as well. And so if you're listening on YouTube, give us a YouTube comment. If you're listening on SoundCloud, give a comment on SoundCloud. If you're on the website, comment on our blog because we want to hear from you topics that you want to hear about, links and articles you're reading on the topic, more wisdom you have to share where you think the future of influencers is going. So thank you again for listening. And as always, stay crazy.